0: Since ascending into heaven, Jesus has been preparing a place for those who follow him. Do you find yourself wondering what that place will be like? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah looks for answers in Revelation, which is filled with vivid descriptions of the place being prepared for believers. From his series, Signs, here's David to introduce today's message, The Heavenly City.
1: friends, we are going to talk about a place um, but we usually talk about it as if it is heaven, and it is indeed heaven. It is the heavenly city. But um, the descriptive terms for this place are overwhelming. I mean, streets of gold, uh, waters that are beautiful, trees on each side of the river, uh, every kind of precious stone you can imagine, pearls that are gates, uh, the heavenly city. That's where we're going to spend eternity with the Lord God, and you want to know about this place. Um, We don't have everything we want to know about the heavenly city, because people say if you knew everything there was to know about heaven, you'd be no earthly good. But knowing about heaven is a wonderful thing to put in your memory bank and know that one day we're going to spend eternity with the Lord in this beautiful place. We'll talk about it in just a moment, but first, before we do that, Let me remind you that there is still time for you to get the information from the series that ends right here tomorrow. The series, um, 31 Undeniable Prophecies of the Apocalypse, starts with a major book by the title of the Book of Signs. It's uh, 460 pages long. There are three study guides that coordinate all the information. There are CD packages and other ancillary materials. You need to go to davidjeremiah.org. There you will find all the information you need to order this material into your own home and be able to go back and review everything from the very beginning and share it with others. Maybe host a Bible study or a Sunday school class or just a family study. 31 Undeniable Prophecies is from the book, the Book of Signs, and it's available from Turning Point. Well, today we began the last message in this series. Um, And so let's open our Bibles together as we talk about the heavenly city. We've been talking about heaven and we've had some great discoveries because as many of you know, we don't ever talk about heaven. We're gonna spend eternity there, but we don't know anything about it. And so we've been trying during these days to teach everything the Bible has to say about heaven, what you always wanted to know about heaven. And today, I want to tell you about the heavenly city. Don and I have been all over the world, and we have visited many beautiful cities. But we have yet to find a city that we like better than the one we come home to at the end of our journey. After spending my early life in a little village in Ohio called Cedarville, I discovered the big city when I went away to seminary in Dallas, Texas. This is where I became a confirmed city boy. Do you know our world is so filled with great cities? If you rank cities in the order of land space here in the United States, I bet you wouldn't guess what's the largest city. Well, I didn't guess it. It's Juneau, Alaska. It covers 3,081 square miles. 2,500 of them are land and 480 of them are water. Juneau is larger than the entire state of Delaware. It's the largest land city in America. The largest city in the lower 48 states is Jacksonville, Florida, 800 square miles. The biggest city in the USA from the standpoint of population is the Big Apple, New York, New York. Now, we consider New York to be a huge city, but there are 10 cities throughout the world that have more people than New York City. Seoul, South Korea, San Paulo, Brazil already topped the 10 million mark. If you want to give all this a perspective, let me tell you that the largest city in 100 A.D. was Rome, Italy, and it had 400,000 people in it. According to the experts, by the year 2030, over 60% of the world's inhabitants will be living in cities. So it's not surprising when we know all of that, that Almighty God is designing a city as part of His ultimate plan for His children. And that city God is building will dwarf the cities of today. Eleven times in the book of Revelation, chapters 21 and 22, we find the word city. It's the place where God and his people will live together. It's not a figure of speech, but a reference to an actual physical place. And since we will be in our physically resurrected bodies when we live in that city, we will need a physical city to live in. It's not some dream place. It's not some idea, it's an actual place. The heavenly Jerusalem is a city. Now this is not something that should surprise us because the longing for a city has been around way back from the time of Abraham. We read in Hebrews 11 about Abraham that he looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. And the Hebrew Christians were told in Hebrews chapter 12 that they were to come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Paul mentions this city in his letter to the Galatians. He calls it the Jerusalem above. And in Revelation 3.12, it's referred to as the city of my God and the new Jerusalem. Many theologians believe that the new Jerusalem is the crown of the new creation of God. But the new Jerusalem is not really heaven per se. The new Jerusalem is a city that is in heaven. Revelation 21 2 says, Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This holy city was made ready, and it came down out of heaven from God. And the phrase made ready implies that the new Jerusalem has already been completed by this time. John does not say that he saw the new Jerusalem created. He says he saw the new Jerusalem coming out of the heavens. And since God dwells in the third heaven, as we've already learned, we can conclude that he is preparing this city up in the third heaven to eventually become the capital city of heaven and that final abode of his children. Revelation 3, 12 calls it again, the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven. Let me just give you this picture for a moment before I describe this any further. One day, the city God is building up in the third heaven is going to descend, and during the millennium, it will hover over the earth, and then during the eternal state, it will rest upon the ground, and it will be the most incredible city anyone has ever, ever envisioned. It is this city that the Lord was talking about when he said to his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What is the Lord Jesus doing now? He's working on our place. Some people call it a mansion. Call it what you will. It is the part of that future that God has for us that is under construction right now. And when it is finished, and it's time for it to come into play, we're going to learn how all of this will happen. I want to talk with you first of all about the size of this city. Has anyone ever said to you, how in the world is heaven ever going to be a big enough place so that all the Christians from all time will be able to live there? Well, when everyone asks me a question like that, I think they might overestimate a bit how many Christians there really are. You know the old saying, a lot of people talking about heaven ain't going there. (laughs) But it's going to have to be a pretty massive place. Well, let me get this into your mind and heart. Heaven is going to be the most phenomenal place, this city of God that you've ever heard of. In Revelation chapter 21, look down in verses 15 and 16 and notice. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city. And the gates thereof and the wall thereof and the city lies four square. And the length is as broad as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. Now the phenomenal size of this city is one of the reasons that many try to spiritualize it and just dismiss it. It is a city so far beyond what you can imagine that I'm going to have to use illustrations that I can conceive of to give you some idea of the size of this place. F.W. Borum was a brilliant and popular essayist and preacher who gave careful consideration to the size and capacity of the new city. In one of his writings, he tells the story of an Australian engineer by the name of Tamas, who was one of his parishioners. And he was talking with this engineer about the new city. And I want to read to you their discussion so that you can get a picture of what I'm talking about. Did you ever think, he said, about the size of the city God has prepared? And without waiting for a reply, he proceeded to reveal the significance of his statistics. Man, it's amazing, he said. It's astounding. It beats everything I've ever heard of. John says that each of the walls of the city measure 12,000 furlongs. Now, if you work that out, and he bent over his notebook, it will give you an idea that each one of the walls and the cube of it, they're all 1,400 miles, between fourteen and 1,500 miles. And the ground floor square mile is 2,250,000 square miles on the first level. Did you ever hear like that? London covers an area of 140 square miles. The city four square is 2,250,000 square miles on the first floor. This city is 20 times as big as all of New Zealand. It's 10 times as big as Germany. It's 10 times as big as France. It's 40 times as big as all of England. It is ever so much bigger than India. Why, it's an enormous continent all by itself. I had no idea of it, he said, until I went with the figures. He would allow no comment at this stage. Wait a minute, he pleaded. I've been going into the matter of population. And it's even more wonderful still. Look at this. Working it out on the basis of the number of people to the square mile in the city of London, the population of the city four square comes out at 100,000,000,000, 70 times the present population of the entire globe. Another writer has compared it to the United States, and he says, if you compare the New Jerusalem to the United States, you would measure from the Atlantic Ocean coastal line and westward. It would mean a city from the furthest Maine to the furthest Florida and from the shore of the Atlantic to Colorado. And from the United States Pacific coast eastward, it would cover the United States as far as the Mississippi River with a line extending north through Chicago and continuing on the west coast of Lake Michigan up to the Canadian border. All the cities of the world are mere villages compared to the city God is preparing. Now, some of you say, Pastor Jeremiah, that is so out of sight and so off my radar screen, I can't imagine it. Well, if Almighty God is saving his best till last, and his final creation is of this new city, would you not expect it to be the most phenomenal thing you could imagine? Somebody says, well, how is God going to drop a city like that out of heaven? Well, with the same power that he had when he spoke a word and the world came to be. The same power that he had when he spoke a word and the creation was born. This is finger work for God. If he wants to build a city that's 2,250,000 square miles on the first floor and drop that city out of heaven so that it hovers over the earth, I believe he can do it. And if he says in his word that he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Now let me just tell you that this is only the first floor we're talking about because this is a four square city. It's as long as it is wide and it's as high as it is long. So it's not only 1,500 miles on each side, but watch this, it's 1,500 miles up into the air. And someone has measured out a rather normal space for floors in between and he said there could be 600 stories or 600 floors in the city. You say, well, Pastor Jeremiah, how in the world are we going to get around in a city like that? Did you forget about your new body? That you don't have to use normal transportation? All you got to do is say, I want to be on the 600th floor in room seven. Zap, you're there. Because you have a glorified body that works like the body of the Lord Jesus, right? So transportation is not going to be a problem. I want you to get some idea of the nature and dimension of this city. It is beyond anything I've ever dreamed of or imagined or even understood. It is so great that only God could be its architect. And remember, the scripture says, this is a city whose builder and maker is God. Now notice, it is a city like a cube. It is a cube city. Did you know that the holy of holies inside the tabernacle is 20 by 20 by 20? And many people believe that the new Jerusalem is a huge holy of holies, as was the sacred inner sanctuary in the temple of God. It perfectly fits the truth that this city will be the very place in which God makes his dwelling. Look down at your Bible for just a moment, and notice how interesting is verse 3 of chapter 21. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, watch this, the tabernacle of God is with men. The holy of holy of gods will be that new city, the city of Jerusalem. Well, that's all the time I have to tell you about the dimensions of the city, except that it is larger than anything you can imagine. It is more brilliant than anything you can dream of. And so let's talk about the inside of the city for just a moment. And I want to take seven things that John tells us in these two chapters and just touch on them briefly. There are things that you have heard, and I want to clarify the reality of them. Most of the time when a person does not believe the Bible or he's a skeptic as far as the Bible is concerned, when anything seems unreasonable to him, he rationalizes and says it's symbolic. One of the reasons why the allegorical interpretation of the Bible grew so rapidly during the rationalistic age is because people refused to believe that God was capable of doing anything that was not explainable through human rational process. But if you go there, you're dead after verse 1 of Genesis. Genesis. In the beginning, God. If you can't get past Genesis 1, you've got no place to go. And if God can create the heaven and the earth, He can do anything He pleases. And when He says in this book that this is what He is creating for the end of time, I choose to believe it because the only alternative is to spiritualize away all of the truth of the Scripture, which leaves you nowhere. So the Bible begins to tell us what it's going to be like inside the city. First of all, verse 2 of chapter 21 says it's a holy city. Then I, John, saw the holy city. The chief characteristic of this city into which we will one day move is its holy. In the Wycliffe Bible commentary, it is described like this. A holy city will be one in which no lie will be uttered in 100 million years. No evil word will ever be spoken. No shady business deals will ever be discussed. No unclean picture will ever be seen. No corruption of life will ever be manifest. It will be holy because everyone in it will be holy. You can't get into the holy city unless you are born again and you have gone to heaven. Heaven is the place of the holy city. Not only is it a holy city, but the Bible says it's a place where the gates are made out of pearl. You know, we didn't just make this up. This is not folklore. This is right from the Bible. Notice verse 12, verse 17, and verses 18 and 21 in Revelation chapter 21. And she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and the names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. And the construction of the wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Now watch this. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And I know some of you are thinking, now, Pastor, that's some kind of an oyster. (laughs) (laughs) Come on now, watch. Again, is God limited to the building of a pearl by an oyster? I don't think so. And if he wanted to make an oyster that big, he could do it. But it doesn't say anything about how this happened, it just says it's there. As we look at the twelve gates of Pearl, we see the names of the twelve tribes of Israel inscribed. And the twelve gates are really a part of a wall that surrounds the city. And John sees this whole wall like a glittering diamond bracelet. He says the construction of the wall was jasper and the city was pure gold like clear glass. And so if you were to see it from afar, it would just sparkle and shine as it turned around and all the hues of the glory of the city would be so overwhelming, it would take your breath away. You'd have to wear sunglasses as you got close. Dr. Criswell, who was one of my mentors, had a very interesting statement about the pearl gates. Listen to what he said. He said, there is a sermon in the fact that the gates are pearl, because heaven is entered through suffering and travail. Through redemption and blood and through the agony of the cross, a pearl is a jewel made by a little animal that is wounded. Without the wound, the pearl is never formed. He said that's the way it is for us when we get to heaven. We'll walk through the gates of pearl, and as we do, we'll be reminded that the only reason we're there is because of the suffering and the pain of the Lord Jesus who paid the wound for us that we might be redeemed. So it's a holy city with pearly gates. And then next, the Bible tells us that the foundations of the city are of precious stones. Revelation 21, 19 and 20. And the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper and sapphire and calcity and emerald and sardonyx and sardius and chrysolite and beryl and topaz and chrysoprase and jacinth and amethyst. And all of those are just Greek terms that have been re-translated into the English language describing all of the colors and all of the hue of the rainbow that we know today. And the Bible says that this great city which is 4 square, that descends out of heaven will be built upon, and you will see it, a twelve-layer foundation, each of the layers a different beautiful stone, emerald and diamond. And all of the beautiful stones that are found throughout all of the universe. Each of the foundations will be a different one. And so when you see the foundation of the city, you'll be overwhelmed with the beauty of all of the gemstone foundations underneath this gigantic city of God. Can you imagine? The building's greatest strength is its foundation. And the New Jerusalem is not one foundation, but 12. Rather than being 12 individual foundations separated from each other, they are packed upon each other and you see them all together in little ripples of gold and precious stones. And then the Bible says it's not only a holy city with pearly gates and foundation of precious stones, but it's a place where there are streets of gold. I know that some of you think that's a folklore. You hear all about the streets of gold and, hey, we're going to walk on streets of gold. It's in all of the old Negro spirituals. It's in all of the old gospel songs, the streets of gold. Are there really? Streets of gold in heaven. Well I'm just going to tell you what the Word of God says look down at verse 18 then again at verse 21 of chapter 21 and the construction of its wall was of Jasper and the city was pure gold like clear glass and Notice verse 21 The 12 gates were 12 pearls each individual gate was of one pearl and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass now if you've ever looked at pure gold you know that pure gold is not transparent, it's opaque. You can't see through pure gold. But John describes heaven's city as transparent glass. The gold of heaven is so pure that men seem to look into it and through its clear depths as they walk upon it. It is finely polished as a mirror, and therefore it is not so much transparent, but it's translucent. And as you think about this and you wonder how that could be that a city could have streets of gold that are pure gold but that you can see through, don't forget also that in the glorified bodies that you will have then your perceptions will be different and something might appear to you then as being both solid and transparent. If we have glorified bodies, surely our eyesight will be different and completely enhanced and we'll be able to see things as we've never seen them before. And so the streets of the city of this new Jerusalem will look to us and in reality they will be streets of gold that you can literally see through the gold like you would look through a window pane and that's the best i can do to describe what john tells us and then we have the lamb that is the light in revelation 21 verse 11 and 23 having the glory of god her light was like a most precious stone like a jasper stone clear as crystal And the city had no need of the sun nor of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. In the New Jerusalem, there will be no light posts, there will be no lanterns, there will be no lamps, there will be the presence of light throughout the city that emanates from the throne of God where sits the Lamb who is the Lord Jesus. The Bible says that in that city, He will be the light and there will be no need for any other light because the brilliance of the light of the Lord Jesus in his glorification will fill the city with brilliance. Hmm. Wow. Can you imagine that? The light that, that uh, illuminates the entire heavenly city comes from the one who is the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll have more about this tomorrow on the Wednesday edition of Turning Point as we conclude the series on prophecy, which is the longest prophetic series we've ever done, three months, uh, March, April, and May. We have been talking about these issues, and uh, this has been a glorious time for us at Turning Point. So much interest in these subjects. Thank you so much for listening every day. Many of you have written for the materials, and you've gotten them, and you've watched on television. The Book of Signs has been the origination of all this material. And uh, as I've mentioned, you can get all of the resources for this long, extended series from davidjeremiah.org. And this month, we have a very special resource. Uh, It is a book called After the Rapture, and it's an evangelistic thrust for prophecy, Mm -hmm. What will be the situation on this earth after the rapture, after all Christians have been removed? It's a book to give to your friends who aren't very seriously taking thought of the future. Help them to understand what will be like here on this earth. And you know what? Because of what it's like right now, it's much easier to believe what it will be like then when all restraint is removed. After the raptures are Wave saying thank you for your gift to Turning Point during the month of May. Ask for it when you send your gift and we'll send it right to you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you right here tomorrow.
0: For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Signs 31 Undeniable Prophecies of the Apocalypse, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, After the Rapture, An End Times Guide to Survival, which answers the question, what's next? It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James Versions available in a variety of attractive cover options. Get the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we conclude the series, Signs, right here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Are you looking for a simple way to talk with unbelievers about the end times? This month, for a donation of any amount, you can receive Dr. David Jeremiah's newest book, After the Rapture, An End Times Guide to Survival. And for $40 or more, you can receive two copies of this book to share with unsaved friends. Or for a generous donation of $85 or more, you'll also receive an additional booklet and DVD to help you refresh your knowledge of the end times. Go to davidjeremiah.ca to get your copy today.
1: Somehow, ambition has gotten a bad rap among Christians. Maybe because each time it occurs in the New Testament, it is coupled with the word selfish. And selfish ambition is not a godly trait. Actually, ambition is not used in a positive sense anywhere I could find in scripture. But a synonym of ambition, the word desire, occurs in both positive and negative ways. It seems both ambition and desire are determined by their object. They can be both positive and negative. So be ambitious for godly goals, but be careful, as one man said, ambition can get a fellow into a lot of hard work. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's ambition for you on Route 66.
0: Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.